Welcome everybody once again to the Magic Table. Uh, this is a pretty special Magic Table uh, because JJ and I actually hit 15 years of marriage on the 16th, which is you know Thursday, I think, this week. I should probably really know that. Uh, but uh, we hit 15 years and just decided maybe this is a good week to kind of talk marriage at the magic table. It's a topic we haven't necessarily really talked about on this uh, on on this platform. And I think this episode is not like mind blowing new information for uh, any of you. Probably this is just kind of reflections on what's worked for us. What's not worked. Uh, some of our thoughts around marriage. I mean, uh, JJ does counsel people in marriage. So we talk a little bit about that, a little bit about, you know, w what things she's seen work for other people. We talk about expectations, which are, are very important in uh, expressing to one another. We talk uh, about some great stuff. One of the really important topics too we finish up with is uh, singleness and how the role of singles in our family. And I think that's a, that's a topic that doesn't get talked about enough in churches and uh, it doesn't get thought of enough, I think by, by most married people. And so I think we have a great conversation around some of that. You're going to, uh, love hearing about, uh, 15 wonderful years of marriage today. So we're glad you're here at the magic table. I just want to remind you to make sure you're following me on Instagram and Facebook at theology of hustle and on Twitter at Curry Blandford. Uh, you can also follow JJ at JJ Blanford on Instagram. Uh, she's always posting super cute pics of the kids and stuff. So uh, it's a, uh, appreciate you doing all that stuff. Uh, you can also slide to the bottom of your phone and leave us a rating and review. That's super helpful. Just getting the word out about the podcast and about the magic table. So uh, I hope you enjoy hearing about 15 years of marriage. All right, y'all. Welcome back to the Magic Table. It's been a minute since we've done a Magic Table episode. We kind of had that Aaron and Jody hundredth episode spectacular kind of take the spot of the Magic Table, but we're back. We're back. We're back at the Magic Table. Uh, and so, uh, on the sixteenth of July, we actually hit a pretty cool milestone. We hit fifteen years of marriage. I literally had to think: Is it the sixteenth of July? Well, it's the yeah. <laughs> It's really hard to remember. It is hard. It is hard to remember. I, I agree. So uh, so we just, I think, wanted to sort of get around the magic table a little bit and maybe just talk about reflections on 15 years of marriage. There's this weird thing, though, that happens. And I feel like you, I feel like there's people that are married like five years that start talking about marriage, right? It's like start blog posting about how to have a good marriage and stuff at like five to seven years. And you're like, yeah, okay. You know, right. But when you're there, it feels very monumental. And like now to feel like we've been married 15 years, yeah. the math is always hard for me, but I think we've decided that we've actually been together half of our lives, like dating and yeah, marriage. Right. And so like, you just don't know what you don't know yeah. when we sit at like 20 and 25 and 30, like we'll look back on this and be like, oh, sweet babies. Yeah. You didn't know anything about right. anything. And I guess all that to say, like, we're coming at this as people still very much in process and still very much learning as opposed to ex like believing that we're experts after 15 years. Yes. I feel like we've solidly established, but maybe we should again. We don't really think we're experts on anything. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, certain things. Cool. Hustle. Yeah. We are experts on hustle. You are. Yeah. I'm just here to be supportive. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, uh, yeah. How do we kick? How do we kick off the marriage talk? Well, therapist JJ is going to show up. 
So I'm like in all these therapy Facebook groups of like other therapists who share information and resources and all this stuff. And um, unexpectedly, I think when I moved to private practice, I started working with a lot of couples and doing a lot of couples work. And on my own journey to be a better therapist, just started reading more about couples therapy and the inner workings of therapy and um, came across some article somewhere that I can't cite. So sorry about that. But it basically was talking about, you know, everyone says marriages end over like fights over sex and money, but that really most conflict comes from unmet expectations. Right. And it like blew my mind that this was be- because I saw it not only in marriage, but just like relationships right. in general of like, you know, whether it's a friend, a parent, a a spouse, an adult child, like this idea that we get upset because someone didn't meet expectations that they didn't know existed was so problematic. And so for me, some article that was shared on Facebook changed how I saw doing really relational work, but a lot with couples. Well, because it's almost a misnomer though, right? Un- unmet expectations, because most of the time it's not that they're, it's, I mean, they, they're unmet, but it's because they were not vocalized in Unspoken. order to be met. Right? Yes. And so I, I think part of why that spoke so much to me was just, it spoke to our journey. Right. Um, the very first time we did a marriage talk. Was that replanted? Yeah. At the replanted conference. And, um, as we were, we kind of prepped individually of like, what would you say about marriage and how to walk through this and then came together. And we both had, which is really cool, but we both had this very pivotal moment that we were on a walk and realized like we had had, and we'd, we'd been married like four years. Maybe I was, longer. I think I was pregnant with Blythe. Okay. Yeah. So four-ish yeah. years. That And we like just acknowledged that we had been in this really unhealthy pattern of like not expressing expectation. And it was a lot of commun- miscommunication stuff. But as I looked at this, you know, five years are more, again, math is hard, um, <laughs> past that that milestone of just realizing like that's something that has really impacted us of like right. having expectations within our relationship that were never voiced. And then when those expectations weren't met, being bitter or angry or frustrated or hurt, sad, a lot of emotions. And so it was really interesting to me that as we prepped for this marriage talk, that we both could point to this point in our relationship and journey of like, this was one of the first times that we had like a completely honest and like completely vulnerable conversation of like, here's all the ways like my expectations aren't being met and these are the ways yours aren't. And so I think blanket whether you're married or not just the idea of expectation in relationship is so significant but just 
then the freedom to like use your voice to express those things. Because once we had this conversation about unmet expectations, it created a whole framework of how we communicated in marriage. And yeah. so, and we were pretty good at communication to begin with. I feel like, yes, we spent three years long distance. Like we communicated as Curry always lot. says, if he could talk me down <laughs> over the phone in person, it would be a breeze. Um, and so I, I just think like, if I could give you any nugget, it's just voice your expectations in all your relationships, because like, it just feels crappy to be mad at someone for something that they didn't even know that they did or to feel that hurt. And, you know, even as like, not only as a partner, but like also as a friend, I want to know what my friends expect from me. Right. I want to be a good friend. I want to be showing up. And so, but like, say, I don't know that you need a weekly phone call to check in and I'm not doing that and your resentment is building up and then I do call or show up. You know, and there's strife between friends. Like, yeah, it's yeah. it's not great. So, like, I think all the other things that we're really going to talk about come from this idea of, like, having unmet expectations. Well, because you go back to what you started, uh, you know, talking about that article, right? Money and sex are the two things that, you know, those like number one and number two, right, that people talk about. But it's not necessarily those things. It's unmet expectations in both of those things that leads to the strife, right? Absolutely. And yeah, if we ever sat down in person, I could ramble on and on and on. And because it's, it has changed how, not only how I engage in relationship, but how I engage with people as a therapist. Um, and so I just, I think it's so important to acknowledge those expectations. And if you are in a romantic relationship, it is so important to just express like, I expect, you know, you to text me a couple times a day to check in when we're apart. Or I expect that if, you know, I'm working till eight and you're home at four, that dinner would be ready when I got home or there's something, you know, whatever those expectations are for you. If you're finding yourself in a place that resentment is just building or you're finding some bitterness in your heart to check like, have I expressed these expectations? Have I, have I expressed what I'm needing? Um, cause I think especially in romantic relationships, there's this expectation that people are reading our minds. Yeah. That you just know, right. If they, right? if they truly love me, they would know my deepest needs and stuff. Right. Yes. And, yeah. and meet them. And then like, it's just not realistic. Right. right. It's putting a lot on another person. It's putting a lot but on another person. Therapist JJ, since you walked into the room, uh, I think it's all well and good to like tell people, hey, express your expectations, right? That's like, okay. But there's a reason that we don't expect to express expectations to one another, right? I mean, For it's sure. awkward and uncomfortable. I mean, yes. and like, I, I mean, sometimes it feels like the relationship might hinge on that like if i really express my true expectations where does my relationship sit right like there's a lot there there is a lot there so I how also, do you talk to people about getting like through like navigating that oh gosh more questions i mean i think part of it is like if you're with a person who you say like this is what i need and they say like i can't do that then it's time to be like 
it's been fun. Peace out. I'm assuming well, you're not married. Yeah, not married. Right. Yeah. Um, you're dating. And I also think it's really. I mean, I think the reality is sometimes I can even come to you and say, this is my expectation. But then we engage in a conversation of like, that's not realistic or this is what I'm able to give. Would that work for you? And so, I mean, so much of this, I feel like so many people come to therapy and say like, we need to improve our communication. And that may be true, but like, I think so often what people are needing is to come to a space that I can help navigate this with them I guess yeah um because I do think a lot of times it's it's also not healthy in a relationship if I just come to you and say like here's the nine things I need from you do these nine things and then we'll be like happy and good yeah yeah because it can go the other way right where it's like you you can become demanding right there has to be a give and take when those expectations are expressed and I think that was so powerful about that conversation that you alluded to earlier I mean we could still both remember exactly where we were when that happened and in the moment we didn't stop and talk about whoa that was crazy you know what I mean the the conversation just unfolded but what was so impactful about that conversation was that we both got to express our own expectations and there was a give and take yes it wasn't just like you're not meeting my needs here 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 you know right and also that was a conversation that we had that we've continued to have and to check in about and so i mean i think the reality of relationship is that it's always evolving it's always changing you know based on how much i'm working how much you're working like those expectations really can shift and change and so winter i mean the season like my expectations for like how <laughs> housework is done, like by both of us, like when I'm trapped in the house, like all the time changes significantly, I think. Significantly. Yeah, for my own mental health. Yes. And so part of it, instead of being like, what the heck is the matter with curry? Because we can have these conversations. I'm like, I feel like we've talked several times on the podcast that like housekeeping is not my strong suit. And also knowing, especially in winter, when we are home more, that that's something I need to prioritize because it helps your mental health in the summer. Well, we do it. We have our roles, right? Yes, we do. I mean, you're making it sound like I'm like, JJ, you need to clean all the time. Oh, gosh. I'm not even (laughs) home to clean. That's the reality. But I think that is something that like cleaning in general was something that used to be problematic But part of it was I didn't realize that it impacts you on a mental health level because it does not bother me at all on a mental health level. It's (laughs) mind-blowing. I don't care. I cannot tell you how mind-blowing it is. But being like, oh, like Curry needs this to function as a human. And like, I don't care about this, but I deeply, deeply love Curry. And so I need to change my behavior to meet this need that he has. and so. I feel like I'm kind of rambling on about the importance. No, I think, <laughs> but I, I think, I think it's an important topic. I think it's something you don't like, you don't think about and how many times needs go unexpressed in mm-hmm. a relationship, mm-hmm. in any relationship, honestly, yeah. but especially in a marriage relationship. Uh, and I, and I think that's when people talk about, Hey, we grew apart, right? Yeah. You're always like, did you grow apart or did you just stop connecting like over the years? Cause I mean, you were growing away from each other, which means you stopped growing towards each other. Right? Yeah. And, and, and I yeah. think part of it is like 
the first time we had this conversation, 100% I cried, right? I think you've cried during every conversation we've had. If you don't cry during this interview, I think something I something's think wrong. Our topic list, I don't know that I'm going to cry. But I mean, I like it was so it felt so vulnerable and like so life altering and like how are we going to come out on the other side of this conversation? Because it was like the first time that we'd ever really, really dug into some of these things that had been going on between us. And now we can have those conversations in front of our children on a Tuesday while we're eating lunch because it's just become such a normal part of how we operate that it's not it's not it's just not as hard as it used to be because. From that point, we realized there had just been a lot unspoken between us. And we realized like we needed to make a shift that we were having those conversations more that it it wasn't coming to a head. And it wasn't a super challenging conversation that we've just worked to really normalize these conversations. And if you're sitting there and realizing in your marriage, maybe you can't, you know, give your partner expectations, then we know some great counselors, you know, that's, it's time. Like if you can't share your expectations with your partner, it's time to start getting marriage counseling. Mm -hmm. And it's like always time. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's an important part of it. Yeah. Right. I'm like totally biased clearly, but, um, I, I keep saying like premarital counseling is great. I think it's really important. It definitely has a place. What I've randomly ended up doing with several couples is like first year of marriage counseling. And it is the highlight of my life because I think even in premarital counseling, you do work through some stuff, but you are wearing rose colored glasses. Like that's just the reality. Yeah. You're so excited it's to be all married. Be once that marriage happens, right? Yes, yeah. and I, I have really found um, that I love doing therapy with people their first year, because, you know, at some point after that honeymoon, the rose-colored glasses come off, and yeah, sometimes you need somebody to step in, and I always say like I love doing work with people year one versus like year 20. Right. There's a lot less to unpack. There's a lot less to unpack. And just even, and at year 20 or year 40, your marriage is still salvageable. And if you, when those things are like a tiny seed of conflict versus like a giant oak tree, it's just easier to deal with. And so I wish that I could just have a practice of like first year of marriage yeah. stuff because yeah. it is truly, it's beautiful work. And I love when couples invite me into that like first year kind of navigating things. Yeah. Buy so. like 10 less bouquets at your uh, wedding and invest all that <laughs> in marriage counseling. Yes. There you go. That's, that's our advice. That is uh, our first advice. year marriage counseling. That's good. Uh, yeah. Okay. So expectations. Okay, a so big thing, obviously. Right. You know, so but. that leads me to soapbox number two. Okay, here we go. Here we go. Is the idea of date night. So I think any marriage, anything you read, hear, watch, whatever, there's this idea. People always talk about dating your spouse and how important that is. And I absolutely agree. 
Um, But I also think we have this really misguided idea of what that looks like. Hmm. Um, So, okay, for context, right? We're like early married. Blogs were still a thing. Blogs are still a thing. I know, but like just random people blogging (laughs) that I went to college with. I was still reading their like personal blogs that they were talking about. Like the Blogspot account was still active? Okay, gotcha. This is how old we are. And so like I think we see how other people do things and part of us is like, well, that would be super nice. So I went to college with this girl who like would often blog about she would come home from work. She happened to be a therapist at the time. And, like, her husband had, like, bought her a new dress. It was laid out on the bed. <laughs> there were, like, opera tickets. It was a surprise getaway. And it was just this, like, beautiful romantic gesture. Mm-hmm. Right? I love it that you say <laughs> that, like, with total disdain. But I think sometimes we have this idea of, like, and I want to be clear. Like, you're, hopefully your partner is working to, like, still sweep you off your feet, woo you, all the things. But like what I realized early on is like Curry is not going to plan date night for us for the most part. Yeah, I'm going to agree with that. And so like I could take two roads. Like road one could be like, why doesn't he love me enough to like do these romantic gestures? Or it could be like, He doesn't want to text our, like, 20-year-old babysitter, and he feels like that's weird, and, you know, whatever the things are. And no matter what restaurant I choose, it's not going to sound good to you that night. Or I just had a different (laughs) idea of what would be a good date night. And so, like, pretty, I mean, date nights weren't really a thing. We, like dated, if you will, until Blythe was born, and then it became a completely different thing because you have to find someone you trust to be with your children child whatever dates get more expensive they get way more expensive because you're paying for a sitter um but i also had to realize or began to realize that it was something that we had to prioritize like once we had a baby it wasn't easy to just go out and spend time together and i think as you start having kids, there's this reality of like the baby goes to bed and you think you're going to have all the conversations and you just don't. A lot of times you're tired. We were when Blythe was born, we were working weird hours. We sometimes it felt like ships passing in the night. And so like we really since Blythe was born have been pretty consistent with a monthly date night. Yeah. Minus a little time after Britain came home, but. That's a whole different thing. And so, like, I really realized that if I wanted this to happen, I needed to plan it. I needed to find the sitter. I would tell you what day we were going out. And, like, early on, that was hard for me because I envisioned like you taking this role. I think media, movies, all the things kind of tell us that like this is someone's role and the reality it was for us it doesn't mean that you don't love me or care about our marriage 
And I also have freedom to be like, this is what we're doing. And I could literally plan whatever I wanted. I I won in the end because <laughs> I could do whatever I wanted and you were on board. And I think there are so many people who have this expectation that their partner is going to plan the wooing. And that still needs to be happening, I believe, within a relationship. But it it also came down to like, there's a give and take in our relationship. And for this to happen for us, it means that I plan that. And we are at a place in marriage that I know it doesn't mean that you don't love me or care about our marriage. But this is my skill set. And this is what I bring to the relationship. And yeah. And so I I just feel really strongly. I think some people put that off because they want their partner to be the person to plan and do. And, and that's great if you're in a relationship with someone who does that. And I think it's also okay to say like, this isn't your skill set and it doesn't mean that you don't love me. I'm going to take the reins and kind of plan these things yeah i mean i I love date nights once we're on them i'm just not a like a planning things monthly is not sort of in my wheelhouse for like all of my life like Mm -hmm. i'm very good at accomplishing stuff in like short bursts you know but actually thinking ahead is difficult for me i think yeah and and so like and even within that there are these expectations of like there are other ways that I expect you to like, like for me, it's like random notes, handwritten notes or random flowers or just these like things that you still contribute to our relationship that affirm in a different way. Like there is love, there is nurture, there is care, but it's not date night. And so and just letting that go and being totally 100% fine with how that has played out for us. Yeah. I mean, I think I've been doing date nights for at least like eight years, That's if not true. longer. <laughs> and and it just works. Like, And I think there's also part of relationship of like, do what works. Like you do taxes. Sweet gracious. <laughs> if I was, if that was my role in our relationship, we would tank. But we've also been married long enough to know like there are different parts that we each do and that's what makes us work for sure beautiful marriage yeah give and take yeah yeah so it's good and we still really like each other that's true yeah we enjoy dates yeah gosh now it's like oh it's like three hours of silence and then you go on a date and you're like you just talk about the kids. What the world? We're like finally away and you're like, you just miss them. It's so quiet. You it's don't true. know what to do with yeah, yourself. So one of the things that I really liked, uh, one of the questions that someone submitted was, what do you learn from other couples or how are you mentored by other couples? Which I thought was such an interesting question. Yeah. And because I definitely think There are people we really respect who have been married longer than us that we learn from, glean from, aspire to emulate. And that's like a whole thing of 
even I think other couples in ministry that have done this and done this well, um, like Kurt and Lisa, I think it's really important to have watched people walk through a similar something that you have. Um, but when we were kind of talking about that, I think the other part of that is you can always be learning and growing from other couples. Like I think about, um, like when we first met Aaron and Jody, they're just like very affectionate people. And that was something they'd been married less time than us, but also like not newlyweds and still had this like affection towards each other. And like spending time with them, I was like, that's really beautiful. Like they're still very affectionate. And so I think like, yes, we can be mentored by other couples who have like walked through hard things. I also think there's great beauty in looking at people who maybe aren't as far as you that have different parts of relationship figured out. And so I think there's real value in kind of having a range of couples that you spend time with. And something that we were talking about is oftentimes if we are with other people, any number of things can happen. Conversations, disagreements, you know, just even offhand comments. And so often, because I'm a verbal processor, like we're driving away from a get together or an outing or whatever that I'm like, okay, I felt this way about that exchange. How did you feel about that? If we were having a similar conversation or a similar discussion, how would you have handled that? How did you feel about that exchange? And so I think part of, as we've like learned and grown in relationship is like, that was interesting to me. I would have been really annoyed and like they seem to have done fine with it and they weren't phased. But just I feel like we are always processing how other people do things and then like how we would handle situations and kind of having conversations. I think that kind of goes back to that communication piece of like, I think we would have done it differently. Do you agree that we would have done it differently and just kind of. Yeah, you're gleaning you're gleaning wisdom all over the place. I think, too, there's a. I think you have to be careful with like gleaning too much information from other people's marriages because we have different personality types. I think that's why Enneagram super helpful, but like the way you and I, so you and I both, you know, I'm a three year or two, we're both people pleasers at our core. Right. And so that leads us to have certain issues in marriage that aren't like explosive sort of fights, but are these like especially expectations under, you know, undergirding Mm -hmm. like the Mm -hmm. whole thing. And like, why don't they appreciate me in this way? I want to be appreciated. And like, you know, what's wrong with me sort of. And so our disagreements are sort of like under the surface. Yes. But I think comparing (laughs) yourselves to people who maybe fight a little more openly or are a little more vocal about their, you know, what they need and all that stuff. Like, I just think you can't compare yourself too too much to other couples because sure. we fun- we find ways to function differently because mm-hmm. of different personality matches. So like the Enneagram Institute, uh, when we went on there and like plugged in both of our numbers, so they'll have like a relationship. Goodness, like, yeah, good stuff, right? Good. Yeah. Also, you're like 
why are you reading my diary Enneagram <laughs> oh, yeah. Institute? Right. Because it was so specific to us interpersonally. And so I do think it is important to like acknowledge these pieces and also acknowledge like we are different. There are different dynamics, personality types, a lot of different variables. Right. What works for you in your relate marriage relationship might not work for other people and that's okay. And vice versa. And I think understanding that is an important part of this too. Cause the comparison trap I think is really easy to get into. For sure. For sure. For sure. Yes. And I think it feels a little bit strange to talk about singleness when we're talking about marriage, right? but we also feel like in creating a scope of relationships, it's really important to have relationships that don't look like yours. Yeah. Um, and I think that can be different stages of marriage, but I also hope that our friends who are single feel like their story is honored here in yeah. our home because the reality is, I mean, our single friends teach us a lot about relationship as they're going through their own experiences. It has taught us a lot. It's also challenged isn't the right word. I think in the last several years, we have just seen the value that spending time with single people has brought. Maybe not as much to our marriage, but to our family dynamic. Right. Yeah, very much so. I I really do believe that the church has turned marriage into an idol. Uh, that like there's only one sort of path, you know, for any one person to take. You know, a Christian does this, this, and this, and a marriage is is part of that. And I feel like there's been a lot of like really crappy marriages out there by Christians because of that idolatry. You yeah. know, um, yeah. people feeling like if they're not married, they're worthless uh, within church, which is just a, a, a straight up shame. Um, and so I think we've really prioritized as a couple having single people in our home. And I'd say one of the greatest benefits of that is our kids get mm -hmm. to be around amazing Christians who love them and who offer a perspective that's not their lame parents perspective. For sure. Right? Like, and yeah. and I also like. In our home, we are very vocal about if you choose to get married, if you choose yeah. to have children, because I don't want our, we don't want our kids growing up feeling like there is this expectation right. that they don't have worth if they don't have marriage and children. And I'm really thankful for the people in our life who aren't married, who choose to pour into our children, right. who are living that out, that our children can see there is life that is full and is lovely and glorifies the kingdom that doesn't at this time include marriage and children. And so yeah. our hope is that in welcoming single people into our home and our family, that not only do they feel they have value here, but within the faith our faith community, but also that our kids can see like you are not defined by marriage and children. Right. I feel very strongly about this, especially for Blythe, because I think it's even stronger for women. Mm. And I love that she has several 
women in her life that will speak truth, the same truth that we would speak, but we're not as cool as these women who will speak the same truth (laughs) and she'll hear it from them. And so um, just as we were talking about what marriage has meant for us, for us, that has meant to honor singleness within our church because we don't like because these men and women have value because they're image bearers. And also, like, this is what I want for my kids to see that, like, loving Jesus can look a lot of different ways in the way that mommy and daddy chose to do it. And so, we have just been blessed with incredible people in our life who not only show that to us and are really like it's a great learning i think to have we do know guys too but we spend more time with some of the women at our church and just realizing like their story is beautiful and has value and as a married couple we hope that we are honoring that that we are lifting them up that we are encouraging them in their journey because it's speaks to us. They're able to do things that we can't do for God's kingdom that are beautiful and incredible. And our hope is that we are honoring that well. I like how you said you weren't going to cry during this episode and then totally got teary eyed during that. But I didn't cry. Uh, but I think, I think you hit it, hit the nail on the head and we're going to do a singles episode with some of our single friends. When this when is all over. over. Yes. It's been in the works since like March or February or something. Stupid Corona yeah. ruined our initial plans, but right. Just because we do feel that singleness within the church is something that's not talked about enough. But and I think it's, I think it's married people's responsibility to make sure and, and bring people along, honestly. Uh, especially in this coronavirus, like they're the single people in your life. This may be hard for them, right? It this can is feel, hard. This is hard for, for them. them. Yeah, it feels lonely. And, and so like, whatever that means for you, I think our, it feels weird to say like our marriage is stronger. I don't know what the word is, but like our marriage is richer our family is richer, not our marriage, but our family is richer because these individuals have shown up in our lives again and again. They show up for us, but they show up for our children as well. And I think married people miss out on that gift if they choose to only spend their time with married people. Yeah, very much so. I think that's important stuff. Uh, I think it's something we've we've prioritized and yeah. It's a it's a missed a missed population in the church for sure. So and a missed opportunity to just yeah. spend time with super cool people who are doing fabulous things for God's kingdom and, in and a the lot world. Of ways, and in a lot of ways, following God's call into very difficult things. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, what other thoughts on marriage? Do you feel like we covered the whole thing? Always. I always feel like we've yeah. just in its entirety covered an issue. Yeah. Her topic. Right. No, we killed it. Right. It's just weird to be like 15 15 years. years. 10 felt very bizarre. 15 feels more bizarre. What feels more bizarre is our two week long getaway for 15 years is uh, kaput 
because of quarantine. Stupid virus. <laughs> that just means 20 has to be that much better. So uh, 16. We're making up for it. Okay. Sounds good. Forget 20. Sounds good. Expectation. I have my, I have my plans. My expectation <laughs> is that if coronavirus is over, we're celebrating next year. Done. Okay. Sounds good. Feel okay. good? Feel good. All right. Well, thanks for joining us at the magic table. We'll see you next time. Well, I hope you enjoyed uh, our little talk about marriage, 15 years of marriage and reflections. Uh, maybe there's stuff that we didn't think about or missed. Like, what are the things that work for you in your relationships? What are the in- important things that you've learned? I'd love to hear about some of that stuff. So make sure and, and hit me up on, on social media. Maybe we could um, talk about some of that stuff. I'd love to hear from other people what's what's worked for them, what hasn't. And yeah, I think it's an important topic, uh, building each other up in, in those sorts of ways in marriage and, and family. It's, it's important stuff to be doing. So I hope you enjoyed this little trip down the uh, memory lane uh, a little bit and um yeah make sure uh if you can leave us a rating and review on itunes that's like super helpful to us gets word out about the podcast uh and we just greatly appreciate hearing from people that that listen to the podcast so i'd greatly appreciate that and uh we'll see you next time at the magic table <laughs>